I'm a fun guy. Uh, obviously, I love the game of basketball. Um, I mean, it's just more questions you have to ask me um, in order for me to tell you about myself. I just can't give you a whole spiel. <laughs> I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gents. Episode number 25 here. I am with one of my favoriteest people on the entire planet. I've said that a couple times, so you're really not that special. No, I'm just kidding. Um, my cousin, Jaden Flake, is going to be joining us today. And today is a special episode because right now it is almost 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> the last the last several episodes that I have recorded have been at absurd hours in the nighttime and... I'll be honest, everybody, I'm not, it, it, rare circumstances, this, I know it's happened like three weeks in a row, but this is not how it normally goes, and we're gonna get back on track, there has just been the worst, and so right before I introduce Jaden and hop into a little bit with him, I'd just like to say a few things in regards to the past few weeks, so two weeks ago, didn't have a podcast because just a lot of stupid stuff with my woman's flat tire, and then laptops breaking, a lot of annoying stuff. And then this last week, I recorded with a good friend of mine, McKay um, Heaton, who I mentioned the last podcast that you guys heard. Um, he's the one who is on the Noggin, the Simple Psychology podcast. He, really awesome friend, and he came on and gave an awesome speech, and an amazing podcast in regards to Suicide Awareness Month. He had a really intense and and special experience with his brother in suicide, and it was just a really awesome episode. And apparently, the man above thought it was just too good for you guys to hear because me and Amelia, love you, Amelia, we were going through her camera and trying to get some photos put together of the podcast. And as we were doing so, she was deleting some old files and accidentally reformatted the SD card. And it's the same SD card that I was using for the podcast. <laughs> and so McKay, I actually haven't told him yet. But my boy, I love you and your story was amazing, but it got deleted. I downloaded a software even for like 60 bucks to try and get it back and got the photos back. So I'll send you those photos, my friend. However, the audio is all broken and messed up. It's the worst. So I apologize. And we're going to get it taken care of. But, well, anywho, I'm just going to move on. I'm sorry. I just feel bad. And I just wanted everybody to know that's what's been going on. However, this week we got Jaden on, so this is really exciting. And then next week is going to be really cool. Um, a good friend of mine who is a worker at True Religion with an amazing story. If you guys have been to True Religion, it's amazing. Tastes wonderful. They're not sponsoring this video or episode, but they will eventually. Don't even worry about it. Um, so, without further ado, ladies and gents, we're going to get back on track, and let me introduce Jaden. He is my cousin on my father's side. We have been cousins since, uh, you know, he was born, and uh, <laughs> I've known him for a long time. We actually lived together, I guess, down the street, really. Um, we lived e with each other for a couple of years when I was young, out in Tennessee. Um, he is t a Tennessee boy through and through. I know some of his family members are going to be listening to this. And so now I'm yet to corrupt his mind and turn him into a Utah native, which he will be soon. <laughs> but for now, he is a Tennessee boy through and through. 
country boy. We love him. I'd kiss him if I could, but that'd be weird. So I'm not gonna. Sorry, I'm saying random things because it's three in the morning. <laughs> but Jaden, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Been a long time listener, so it feel, feels pretty cool to be on this side of the microphone and not listening to it. I'm probably just on because you probably can't get many other people on the podcast at 3 a.m., but you know, I'm happy to be here regardless. <laughs> hey, but you know what that means? That means you're a real one, Jaden, because if the other people don't want to come on at 3 a.m., are they even worth it? It's their loss. <laughs> their loss, indeed. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Once again, Everybody, we don't do this often. It just happened <laughs> to happen. In fact, I came earlier to get this done, and me, Jaden, and our boy Hunter have been talking for the last three hours. <laughs> well, actually, more than that. I got here at like 10.30, and we've been talking for several hours about deep, emotional, power th- powerful things. Too, too great for man's ears to hear. And so... We were talking about that, and then we're like, okay, I guess we should probably get the podcast done. (laughs) Um, Okay, sorry everybody, rambling a lot. However, I have an awesome episode today because Jaden has a really, really incredible story, and we're just going to jump right into it. I guess just to introduce or preface the story, Jaden has had situations with with the homes in which he grew up with in that both the homes that he grew up in burned down and in really dramatic and intense fashion. And so we're going to talk about that and talk about exactly how it happened. And But first things first, this house that Jaden lived in, please give us a little bit of a description because it's. I have a lot of redneck cousins, and Jaden is a part of one of my most redneckest <laughs> side. And his family had developed a home in the most absurd but beautiful way. Please give a description. Yeah, if you could imagine a redneck mansion at its finest, this fits the description pretty well. So basically, it started out as like a two-bedroom little home that my dad bought when him and my mom first got married. And, you know, they wanted to live on a farm, so they had a farm too. But, you know, you need workers when you're on a farm. So over the years, they had 12 kids. 12! With me being the youngest of all 12 of them. So yeah, I'm I'm considered the favorite, but I like to think that I've earned that, you know, that title. But the <laughs> others think I'm just entitled to it, you know? But you know, it's nah, it's all heard, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. So anyways, as the years went on, my dad, he's always been a construction guy. He's always been able to build things on his own. He's creative. Something I guess I just lack because I am not creative. It's true. We were playing Minecraft and I'm building all this sick stuff and Jaden can't even build a house. I'm telling you, I'm I'm my mama. <laughs> Creativity is just not my strong suit, but it is for my dad and my mom, so they came up with this crazy house idea, and I mean, we had bridges going to separate trailers, and we had three stories, and it was all pretty open, so you could run around as kids. We had like the circle stairs, but like my dad welded them, so definitely not safe, definitely not (laughs) OSHA approved in any way, shape, or form. Oh, yeah. But it was, we had like a reptile room and a full court basketball, you know, setup going on and like a game room. It was pretty legit. But I mean, never finished. Like we had the, the insulation was always sticking out of the walls. Like they were never <laughs> covered walls. But it was an awesome house to grow up in. And as a family, like it was cool because I didn't get to see the whole process of the house being the youngest. But I remember being, you know, 
young playing in the house and then seeing it get bigger and bigger and seeing all these changes take place that my mom and dad just kind of willed into existence you know and they just built it themselves and we got to help out so it was a pretty special house that i grew up in uh yeah a lot of history and i just want to emphasize one more time guys they have 12 children (laughs) there's 12 12 children one womb believe it or not um, and when he says like we had bridges going to trailers, they literally had bridges connected to their home and then those mobile, like mobile houses, right? Yeah. The trailers. Yeah. Right? So a mobile house, <laughs> my uncle Jim goes and picks them up and turns them into bedrooms for all, you know, hundred billion of his kids. <laughs> and I mean, even for myself, this was a very special house because I mean, we grew up down the street and that's where we spent all of our time when I lived there. The whole time we lived there is at your guys' house. That's where I learned how to rollerblade um we would catch frogs <laughs> i love frog <laughs> hunting we i there's just a lot of lot of memories and then i actually never even got to see i never got to see the whole yeah you never got to see it finished yeah you didn't and monson's a big time basketball player mm. never got to see our basketball court that we had it's true and you're lucky i didn't <laughs> your ankle your ankles would have still been there <laughs> and burned down with the rest of <laughs> but uh I mean, it's just such a crazy house, and 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 that um, description. Thank you for that, by the way. That description of the house is ultimately a description of most of the things in which this family has done, <laughs> and they're just able to put things together out of nothing and bring together, you know, really awesome and and amazing experiences. And so this house later eventually burned down. And before I ask any other questions, I'm actually just gonna have you. Just start from from where you want to begin um, with that story. Take us through the process. That sucks. That's a terrible experience. I well, I say that it's never happens to me, and it's unfortunately happened to you. You know now, yeah, technically two times. <laughs> and so I guess first experience. Um, I know it was really life changing and, and and a big switch for you personally. And so I guess take me through that. You were in the house when it had happened, right? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, best explanation would be a couple days beforehand, my parents had actually gone out to Utah. They'd flown out here, where mm. we're at now, uh, for one of my sister's weddings. And I say one of my sister's weddings because I have nine sisters. <laughs> so sister's weddings were just things that happened, you know, kind of often as a kid growing up. It wasn't even special at that point. <laughs> it's like, ah, uh, another one I believe it was, it was my sister Mariah's wedding, if I'm, you know, if I remember correctly. But there are so <laughs> many sister's weddings, you know, it happens. But anyway, so my, my parents were out of town, and it was me and my three older sisters. So there's me... Mallory, Monica, and Michaela were all in the house, and we had some fun times. We had some friends over, you know, not you know crazy huge parties, but like <laughs> we played some Nerf battles and we you know played some hide and seek in the house a few days before it burnt. But uh, you know, then we're we're all going to bed because it was, I believe it was it was a school night. It was either a Sunday or a Monday night, so it was just a normal night. I remember I had my Kentucky basketball hoodie that I was going to wear the next day. I had it all laid out, so I was ready to wake up and go to school. Ah, look at my boy. (laughs) And so uh, I remember going to bed that night, and it was really cold. So this is like February of 2014. Mm. So I'm in middle school, seventh grade. It was kind of towards the end of seventh grade in February. 
And so that night, we knew it was going to be extra cold. So one of my sisters had plugged in a electric heater, you know, into an extension cord down in the basement to make sure that the pipes didn't freeze because that's a big problem, you know, if you don't want them to freeze because then you've got big plumbing issues. So plugged in this little heater. My other sister, she brought in the dogs, which was never allowed. You know, the dogs, they're all pretty tough. We had pretty tough dogs, border collie type dogs, all farm dogs. And so we never had them in the house when dad was home. But <laughs> when dad was gone, Mallory, you know, she loved the dogs. So she brought them into her room. She had them staying with her. Oh, shame. And so we all go to bed. It's a normal, normal night getting ready for school. And so now I guess I can tell it from my perspective anyways. Yeah. So... I woke up to my sister Mallory. She was right across the hall. She, you know, banged down on my door and then she opened it. And I just remember her yelling at me, Jaden, the house is on fire. We've got to go. And of course, it's it's like 2 a.m. So I don't know what's going on. I'm halfway thinking I'm dreaming, but I, you know, I can tell that I'm not because I've just got this adrenaline rush all of a sudden, all of a sudden. And so... Mallory tells me, she makes sure I'm, that I'm awake before she runs off. She says, I'm going to go get Monica, who's my other sister. Go get Michaela, who's down in the basement. So basically, that's our whole plan. That's all we can think about. Mm. And so Mallory runs away. I still don't see any fires or any flames yet. So I'm, you know, I'm confused as to what's happening. So I get up. I walk out of my room. And I'm still walking at this point. Like, it still hasn't hit me that you know the house is on fire mm. but so i go down the stairs and that's when everything changes because that's when i see we had a couple of glass doors and i could see the fire out on the back porch and it was yeah. it was probably the brightest thing i've ever seen because i've never seen a fire so big and it was loud too like it was probably louder than any truck passing by me you know just blaring their engine just revving it up it was so loud and so bright that I knew that I wasn't dreaming anymore because I could yeah. feel the heat. I could hear it. I could feel the vibrations. So I know it's really happening. I kind of understand yeah. that. So now I start running downstairs to go with Michaela and I wake her up. She starts to run out the, the basement door so that she doesn't have to go back upstairs. And so I go, I get one of the dogs from the basement I carry him out with me. His name is Bear. Big old oh, dude. Uh, mastiff dog. Yeah, Bear is, first off, I'm surprised you picked. Bear's mean, man. <laughs> <laughs> Bear's a huge dog. Huge dog. Scared the crap out of me. Yeah, yeah. that was his job. That was his job yeah, to scare he, people. He did good. He did good. Sorry. Yeah, so I, I grab him, and while I run out, we had a wood stove. So, you know, growing up as kids, we were always chopping wood, chopping firewood so that we could, you know, heat our own house. We didn't have any other form of heat besides the wood stove. Mm. And so I made sure to, I don't know why I checked it, but I wanted to make sure that wasn't you know, the reason that the house burnt down. For whatever reason, I cared at that point what caused it. Good man. And so I checked in the, in the wood stove, and nothing seemed wrong. Mm. So... I run out of the house with Bear, and we run around to the front, and we see Monica and Mallory are already outside. So first off, that's a huge blessing, was that the four of us made it outside. Yeah. Uh, because that was a huge fire. The whole house, you know, built by hand, lots of wood involved, so it picked up quick. So by the time we got out, 
the fire had pretty much spread throughout the entire house. So we got so lucky that we were all in the main part of the house and not in the trailer, you know, connected with those bridges that we talked about. Because if we had been in there, there was no way out, yeah. which some of my other siblings used to live out there in that, that trailer, but they had all gotten up, moved out, moved on. So we, we all get together, we start calling people, we start calling 911. I know that our, our neighbor, he was a volunteer firefighter, mm. so I start running across the street barefoot. It's like 12 degrees outside. It's yeah. freezing cold, barely got any clothes on. I'm running across the neighbor's house, bang on the door, and eventually they open it. Neighbors got a gun pulled on me. I didn't even know it at the time. They told me that later that the husband had his gun drawn on me, oh, and I had really? no idea. So I'm just <laughs> pointing at the house like, uh, our house is on fire. And they're just like, oh, my gosh. And, so, and he came out with the strap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're from the South, yeah, so that, yeah. that's a natural reaction at 2 a.m. Uh, it's true. But, yeah, I look back, and it's it seriously looked like daytime. It was so bright up in the sky. And I, I couldn't believe it at that point because that's when they kind of pulled me into their house, gave me a jacket, and I just kind of sat there still not really registering everything that had happened. But turns out the reason that my sister Mallory was awake mm. was because she had brought in all those dogs with her because she didn't want to be out in the cold. And she, we're all heavy sleepers. Yeah. So Mallory's, you know, sleeping pretty heavy and the dogs actually notice that the fire is starting to creep up on her wall and mm -hmm. they can smell it and definitely hear it. So all of the dogs are just yapping yeah. at her yeah. and that wakes her up to realize, hey, something's going on. And then she really, wow. her wall was actually on fire, which was right across the hall from me. Really? So it was already on fire when she got up and ran across and woke me up. Yeah. And so the dogs had woken her up. So we get all, so all this happens. I'm at the neighbor's house. I come back across the street. I'm with my sisters. They've got like an ambulance there by this point. Mm. And they're, you know, they're wanting us to get in the ambulance so that we're not just standing out there watching the house burn down. And so the first thing, and I noticed there's already so many of my siblings or not just siblings, but family members there. Like, I had an aunt that was already there. Wow. I had sisters showing up. I had an uh, uncle. Uncle Ray and his family had shown up. Oh, and, really? I mean, these people all lived kind of far away. Yeah. And they were all there within 45 minutes or so of this wow. starting. So that was crazy to me. And turns out, so the house, with so much wood and so much everything how big it was there was no way that they could actually save the house yeah. so they were just kind of keeping the rest from catching on fire keeping you know surrounding trees and stuff and so it was a total loss and it burned for forever but we found out that the dogs that had actually woke mallory up for whatever reason didn't follow her out of the house oh. and so they actually all are somewhere we found some of their remains but there's still some that we never did find, but yeah, they all they all died in the house fire. No way. But those dogs woke everybody up. And yep, they were the reason we all got out of there. Wow, that is so crazy. Yeah, it was pretty sad at the time, and it still is, because we loved, I mean, you probably even knew Rascal. I yep, don't know if you yep. knew Rascal. He was Mallory's a great dog, dog. Right? yep. 
Oh my goodness. And that's yeah. And it's like, what are the odds that happen to actually bring the dogs in? You know, because obviously when your pops was home, that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Papa Jim's gonna spank somebody. <laughs> but uh, the fact that she actually brings the dogs in, they're the ones to wake her up um, to get you guys out of the house. And when he says heavy sleepers, listen, I can get, I can have a full conversation with Mallory when she's asleep. I can have a full conversation and she never wakes up. You just start talking to her and she'll talk back. It's hilarious. Probably not as bad as Michaela. Michaela talks <laughs> mad in her sleep and it's hilarious. Um, but I, I guess when you're in the moment, you're running out of your house, is it just, obviously it's it starts to register that it's real, but is the experience of just, is it pure adrenaline rush? Is it fear? Is it stress? Or, or I guess, what are your overall feelings? You're obviously young, so like maybe a lot of it wasn't grasped, but you're old enough to understand. And so I guess what was your initial feelings as far as internal when you're running out of the house, you look back, it's it's completely on fire. Yeah, I think I didn't really register a whole lot until I got to the neighbor's house mm. uh, because, you know, my mind was just racing so fast for so long because, I mean, first I had just woken up, so I'm not the quickest person to wake up and, you know, be ready to solve a math problem or anything in the mornings. <laughs> so as I, you know, ran out of the house and everything, I, I don't really think I understood what was going on until I got to the neighbor's house and they were talking to me. And then I realized, wait, this, you know, this is serious. Like yeah. my whole life is about to be very different because this isn't just gonna, I'm not just going to wake up from this right now. Yeah. Like I'm going to have to deal with this now. And it was hard because, like, our parents weren't there. Yeah. Like, they were in Utah having just been at a wedding. Yeah. So they weren't going to be home. They didn't get home for, like, another day or two because they had to get flight plans and everything. And so it was it was crazy that first little while. But I think once I got to the neighbor's house, that's when it all hit me. But I, I kept my composure pretty good yeah. until I got back to, you know, over by the ambulance where all my family was. And they were all pretty distraught. They were crying and hate to admit that I was crying. But once I saw them, I just broke down yeah. pretty bad because, I mean, you just, we realized we had just lost everything. Like anything sentimental to you, anything valuable, anything our parents had ever stored, yeah. it was just gone. Yeah, and that, an that really hit hard once I saw them. But yeah, that was... It took a while to really register before yeah. you could understand what was happening. Well, it's just so out of the norm. I mean, every single night, it's just been the same thing. We go to bed, we wake up. You know, it's like it, the most craziest thing happens is like, oh, somebody outside woke us up. <laughs> and so it's like a fire is just so out of the norm that, and especially a fire of that magnitude, it's just so out of the norm that your brain doesn't even function it because it's like, I've never seen this before. And then it clicks and you... I, I mean, it just sucks. If I, like, right now I think about it and I'm like, think about all the stuff. And this, I don't want this to sound selfish, but I'm like, oh, all my shoes, <laughs> all the J's, they're all burned up. Um, you know, my bed, my dresser, all the clothes that I had. And then, you know, not even just that, but everybody's, all the stuff my family's had, family pictures, family photos, just everything that we have had is completely burned and, and un untraceable and i remember seeing pictures afterwards um i probably saw pictures just the next day 
and uh, everything gone. Like the there's just nothing but a huge hole in the ground yeah. because it was all just burnt down straight to ashes through the basement. Um, yeah, and it was funny because you know after that we probably had like ten minutes where we were all. Pretty it was fun. we're talking about down. a fire. He says yeah. it was funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is we were we were all sitting there. And of course, they brought us into the ambulance eventually. Nobody was, you know, hurt. Nobody had any burns or mm. any smoke in the lungs or anything. But they just wanted to get us out of seeing the house. But after a while, we had some family there, and it was funny. We all started like confessing things that we had broken and never told anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, yeah, when uh, when we were playing Nerf the other day, I actually knocked that vase off the counter downstairs. <laughs> I just I swept it all up so nobody would see. Somebody's like, I actually put a hole in the wall, but there's a picture covering it and stuff like that. We were all just dying <laughs> laughing. But I mean, it, like tears rolling down our eyes, but from the crying, not from the laughing. Yeah, but yeah. at that point, it just became like hilarious, and then it wore off again, and yeah. it was sad again because you realize that it's it's all different now. It's real. Yeah. And I mean, and and you, I mean, myself. Oftentimes, one of the best ways for me to cope with things that suck or things that don't make sense is through humor and and and. and a good laugh, and I think your entire family is that way. Um, I think for the most part, everybody in your guys' family is very much like humorous, loud, outgoing. Um, some more than others, obviously, but for the most part, everybody's pretty pretty vocal. Yeah. And so, I guess in in those initial moments, did you ever have an experience where, I guess, whenever I've had a traumatic experiences, it's been the same mixture of oh, we laugh a little bit, and then it kicks in, and then we're sad, and then we laugh a little bit, and then it kicks in, and then we're sad. Did it ever get to a point where you were so positive? Because I know you, and I know, and I know your sweet, sweet heart. Did it ever get to a point where you felt as if you should be more sad than you were? Um, weird question, but it's a thing. You know, I think after like a week, I think that kind of started to set in. Because, mm. like, you know, throughout that whole week, the moment that you know we were put inside that ambulance until until we kind of got back on our feet we were taken care of by our community like yeah. so well i mean first came the family cuz everybody started showing up like cousins uncles sisters brothers everybody was just there you know and they were all helping and we went to one of my sister's houses and we stayed there for a few days until our parents got there and we could figure things out but I mean, the, the very first day, like once, because that was the middle of the night, but as soon as the sun came up, like we were getting clothes from people, we were getting wow. deodorant, toothpaste, like all of the essentials that you would, you know, kind of need, we were getting them. Yeah. And I mean, it was funny because we were like kind of joking with some of the clothes we got. They were like, some of them were kind of funny, like old, <laughs> old jerseys or something and or like a rival high school, you know, yeah. Jersey or things like that. And so we were kind of laughing and joking. But then, like you said, that sadness would set in and it was like, this is like what we have now. This mm. is all that we have. But you also go through that gratitude. Yeah. And I think that eventually we started to feel so grateful for all of the things that we were getting. Because, I mean, we grew up 12 kids we were always pretty frugal, so you know, I was always getting hand-me-down stuff. Yeah. Everybody got hand-me-down stuff, and 
Of course, the older ones, they always had it worse because I was after like six sisters in a row. So there's only so many hand-me-down things you can get from sisters. But (laughs) so they all think I was definitely spoiled. But we were all getting, you know, thrift store stuff, hand-me-down stuff. And, you know, after, you know, a few days, I had the nicest set of clothes I've Mm. ever had in my life. I had some really nice, you know, work boots, tennis shoes, running Mm. shoes. I had all these kinds of things that I had never even had before. And so I just felt so grateful. I mean, the school had fundraisers for us. They were doing like little pickup basketball tournaments to raise money and all kinds of stuff. So I think after about a week or so, I think after like three days, Mm. I'd say I think we went back to school. I can't remember exactly, but I think we went back to school after about three days. Mm. And, you know, people, they weren't, you know, too obnoxious about it. Like nobody was coming because everybody knew because we're a pretty small town. Everybody knows. But everybody was just supportive. They're always making sure that we were okay. They were Mm. talking with us. And I just felt so loved and taken care of by people that I didn't even know Mm. that at some point I was like, man, you know, this is kind of nice. Like, I feel happy that Mm. all of these people are taking care of us, that, you know, they loved us enough to give us these things. And, you know, it's not so bad after all. But of course, you know, you always think back of the house and you miss it. And sometimes, you know, because at this point, I don't, I wasn't legally allowed to drive, but I mean, you you drive, you know, and like you'd pull into the house, like you'd go home and I'd pull in and it'd be the wrong house. Like it wasn't our house anymore. We lived, you know, down the street with my sister now. And so I'd pull into our old house and realize, oh, it's, it's not there anymore. And you just kind of sit in the driveway and you just kind of think about that. And so, yeah, there were always... We never got past those moments where sadness would just kind of pop in. But we definitely got to the point where we were grateful enough that it wasn't bogging us down anymore. Right, right. But, you know, I don't know if you can ever get away from those random moments of sadness. Like, there are some times I look back, like, I'll meet, you know, new friends or I'll hear that you never got to see the whole house, you know, finished. (laughs) And I'm just like, man... I really, really wish that I could show him that place because he would love it. Totally. Like, we'd have so much fun. So that's like even nowadays, you know, you'll think back on that. But, you know, I never get too emotional about it anymore because I've learned a lot from that experience. And mm. looking back, I'm grateful for it, which is crazy for me to say, but I am grateful that, that all of that happened. Yeah. Yeah, I guess overall that experience you being at a moldable age, I'll say. Yeah. Seventh grade, a lot of questions for seventh graders. <laughs> <laughs> kind of lost kids just finding their way. Um, what did that experience do for you? And and not only progression just with your family, but then as well just as well as, as, as a person in general. What did it do for you? Um well I can definitely speak for myself. Uh before that whole experience, you know, looking back I hate to, you know, feel like I'm disappointed in myself, but I was not living up to my potential in any way, shape, or form. And of course, I was in seventh grade, so there's not a whole lot, you know, <laughs> to expect of a seventh grader. Mm. But, you know, looking back, I spent way too much time on video games, and <laughs> which I'm not saying the video games are bad, 
but when you just play video games all day, yeah. like you've you've got to do something, you know, Productive. different. You got like I just didn't ever feel good because I was just playing video games, mm. and so you know I was doing that. I really wasn't playing any sports, which that doesn't mean that you're not a good person, but our family, we love sports. You know, that's what we do for fun. And any family reunion is going to involve at least a few tournaments of some kind of sport against each other. Hmm. But I just wasn't playing any sports. I remember actually that year, my mom was like, are you going to play football? Because I'd always played football, you know, since peewee. I think I started in like third grade was probably my first year of football Mm. and I'd always loved it. But then I just got so lazy after sixth grade because I played sixth grade year and then my mom asked if I was going to play seventh grade Mm. and I told her no because I was just so lazy. I didn't want to do anything. So I was like, no, I don't want to play just because I didn't want to go to practice and like have to run and condition and so I was like, no, nah, it's bad, not for man. me. It no. was bad, yeah. I was just so lazy. <laughs> mm. And, you know, I used to read a lot of books, which yeah. is a great thing. Um, and then I just wasn't reading that many books anymore, you know. And I think reading books is great for you. It totally. definitely helped me. But I just wasn't doing that. Really, I can't think of many productive things that I was doing in seventh grade. I'm, I'm sure you built some better houses on Minecraft. <laughs> I'm sure you created, you know. Your sky, your Skyrim, <laughs> Skyrim skills were developing. Yeah, that's probably very true. Which, but. once again, if you play Skyrim, it's not bad. Trust us, we'll, I'll still play it to this day. <laughs> but you got to mix in some other productivity. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> that's absolutely. healthy for you. So yeah, that's kind of where I was before the house fire. Yeah, just not doing anything that had any meaning long term. Yeah, and I, I really wasn't making that many friends. Like I had the same old friends that I had always had, but. Didn't really put any effort to hang out with them outside of school or anything like Mm. that. So just overall, not going after anything in my life before the house fire. Well, before you continue, because I'm going to make you continue. (laughs) But before you continue, um, it's just cool that these thoughts at all, as a young boy, because of this fire, that you started having these thoughts at all. It's really cool to see the way that, like it made you reflect and look back like, wow, what have I done the past few years or the past few <laughs> months? I've been chilling. I've been fat chilling. <laughs> and so it, it's it's really cool to see that even at a young age, um, you were able to pick, piece these things together. And I think that a lot of our of our listeners, I it's that same process. You're in the pro- process of going through something hard, and then it automatically makes you reflect. And then I guess it's what you do with it. So continue. That's yeah, you're at. yeah. So now I guess what I did with it. So after the house fire, you know, I mean, huge changes happened in our lives. Like we moved down the street to a different house, you know, completely different outlook on, you know, what I what I owned, you know, as, as much as a seventh grader can own. You know, it was just <laughs> like all my clothes were different. My shoes were different. Uh, my school backpack was different, you know, little things like that make a big difference in the day-to-day life of, you know, me as a kid. And so that's when I, I really had nothing to do with my time. I didn't have any video games, so, uh, you know, I'll I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't go back to that as, you know, a stress relief. So I got a basketball and we had a little patio. It was actually, we actually moved into the house 
that Monson lived in when he was out in Tennessee. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So there was a little concrete patio thing out on the po- off the porch, and I had a little basketball goal that I set up, and so I would just kind of go out there for hours at a time, just shooting the basketball around, running around, doing some layups, and I would just do that for hours because I didn't have anything else to do. And it was a terrible court, too, because if you missed... The ball was most likely rolling all the yeah. way down the hill. You gotta got to jump. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a tall concrete platform. Yeah, I hate it. It has the edge <laughs> on the end, and then as soon as it goes over the edge, it's literally just downhill, <laughs> and it's a long hill, and it pisses you off to have to go chase that. It was ball the down. worst. So <laughs> even still, I was just out there all the time. Somebody, I think one of my sisters, for whatever reason, had a banjo. And she gave me a banjo, and that was huge, too, because I never played any instruments in my life, besides the recorder. I was a boss on recorder. Hot, um, hot cross buns. Hot cross buns yep. all day long. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a banjo, and I just started you know, playing it because I had nothing else to do, so might as well. Mm. And to this day... For whatever reason, I I'm not you know the greatest learner on instruments, but I can memorize things great. Yeah. So I found this one YouTube tutorial on like the hardest version of Rocky Top that exists out there, <laughs> and I memorized that thing for hours at a time. And to this day, it doesn't matter how long I've been away from the banjo, I can play Rocky Top on the banjo <laughs> anytime, any time of day. And so that's just kind of, I started playing banjo, playing basketball. I signed up for football, you know, the next time around. And yeah, I kind of did some soul searching, like you're saying. As a little kid, you know, I did some soul searching, realized I'm not doing things that make me happy. I want to do things that make me happy. So I started making more friends, you know, in school. I started talking a little bit more. Not that I'm the most introverted, but I'm definitely not the most extroverted. I feel like I'm a mix but I finally started talking to people that I didn't know. And, you know, things just started getting better for me, you know, as a kid that was finally starting to do things that I enjoyed, find real hobbies mm. that I could make friends with. And, you know, it it was it was a good time after the house fire had all kind of settled in. I was really starting to enjoy things, become more of a person that I wanted to be. I was taking things, you know, with the church more seriously. Mm. I was reading my scriptures a lot more. I was praying more, studying things more. And yeah, so things were all looking up for me at that point. I really enjoyed that time. That's awesome. Like, seriously, that's awesome. It's so amazing to see, I guess, overall, just from being able to go through such a tough experience, look at the positive side of it, do your soul searching, and then making things happen. Because uh, we've all heard it a billion times before, but for some reason we need to hear it a billion times more. We have to be able to stretch ourselves and put ourselves in positions in order for us to make changes in our lives. And in your case, to do things that brought you more happiness. Because as much as you know, you enjoyed video games and that was fun for you, you weren't expanding your horizons the way that you that you ultimately knew you needed to. And thankfully, thankfully that sounds intense but it's true (laughs) thankfully to this house fire you were able to stretch yourself in places where you know you weren't stretching yourself before and some people they're able to make that change naturally just by themselves doesn't need you know no form of i guess compelment 
But in this sense, you know, not to downgrade you, your hype is, I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in a, in a sense, you're almost compelled to change. But sometimes that compelling, whether we make ourselves do it or something happens to us and makes us do it, it's it's just the ability to move forward with it. And seeing the way that you were able to look back at your young boy life and, and realize those things, even at an early age, it just goes to show the way that trials and challenges can benefit us and and can help us to move forward. And so I guess throughout the rest of your life, including now, I mean, you're still a young boy. You're what, like 15? Something like that? <laughs> <No, I'm just> <laughs> 22. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> By the way, speaking of, I was talking with my brother on the phone and, and earlier tonight, right before I came over here, and they've always thought, they Daryl thought you were years younger than me. See, it's because you're so much taller. No, it's so much more mature. <laughs> <laughs> so you were doing soul searching in seventh grade. I was doing soul searching out the womb. <laughs> I said, in the womb, I wasted a lot of time. <laughs> See, it's because you're allowed to grow facial hair. And while I'm going to college, I can't grow no facial hair. It's not allowed. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. <laughs> um, but uh, now I'm getting to stay. I don't even remember where I was at. <laughs> but overall, I guess what I was going to get to if I gather my thoughts real quick, what I was going to get to was how has that experience, um, obviously that's how it affected you then and that's what you did with it then, but from then moving forward to now, when you go through trials, has that experience helped you in the way you view the trials that you go through? Oh, most definitely. Uh, One of the things that I just thought of as we were talking was, you know, had you have offered to take it all back when I was in seventh grade, eighth grade, freshman year of high school, ninth grade, had you had asked me if I could have it all, you know, flip flopped, have my house back and everything go back to normal, I would have said yes, absolutely. Like I want it back. Yeah. But if you ask me that same question towards the end of high school and especially now, no, I would not take it back at all, which, you know, is crazy for me to think mm. that I would even think of that but i definitely i wouldn't take it back now even if i could as much as i want those memories of the house and everything that we did like there's some times that i'll have dreams where i'm in the old house as much as i wish i could have that back i wouldn't trade the things that i've learned from that for anything and i think just even that mindset helps me with these current trials because i know the first three years didn't make any sense i didn't know why that all happened but now, you know, after those first three years, I really started to realize, you know, I've made some really good changes in my life. And I am so happy that I went through a hard thing to make me make those changes because I wouldn't have made them on my own. Hmm. You know, as much as my parents wanted me to, I've got my agency. I can choose what I'm going to do. And just because I'm making bad decisions doesn't mean that something's going to stop me. Right. You know, so I'm grateful that something did stop me. Right. And it got me to do things that I enjoyed, got me to change my outlook. So now when I go through hard things, just because I don't understand why they're happening right now doesn't mean that it's not going to make sense in a few years. Yeah. You, know, you always hear those stories of people that went through a hard trial and then you realize that they were just being prepared for something. You know, I don't think I'm any great thing that's been prepared You know, all these years. Like mm. I'm no crazy fictional character, but... I've definitely been prepared to be who I am right now. And I'm so grateful, you know, to be, you know, to have had those experiences already and not have to, 
wonder why challenges are happening to just accept them and realize that life gets really hard sometimes, but one day it'll make sense. Mm. And it might take a long time or it might, you know, make sense immediately, but I'm grateful to have that perspective at least of these challenges. Yeah. And it's awesome because it's like any cool movie you watch, it's almost that same idea. It's it's my favoritest movies and for the reason that they're made this way is because it's a lot of people's favoritest movies. <laughs> but it's where you know, the main character, he goes through something that's difficult and challenging, it sets him back, and then he's able to do A, B, and C, do his soul searching, he's alone, he's putting in the work by himself, and eventually he's able to just, just overcome it and, and and grow above, I guess, the mediocrity, right? And those are the favoritest stories, and so when we see that in real life, we, or I guess when we watch movies, we're like, that is so cool. But when we're in real life, we forget how cool it is. And then when you're able to look back, like you're saying, you've made it past this trial, you're able to look back, and you're like, yeah, no, I'm not this special, crazy, amazing fictional character you guys watch in a movie. However, I am somebody who is able to overcome a challenge and overcome a trial, and now it's made me who I am today. And that, that Jaden, right there, you are amazing, man, and it's legendary, and I absolutely love it. However, yeah, I'm, I'm basically Hercules, you know? <laughs> Might as well be. With a lowercase h, for sure. Um, <laughs> and lowercase muscle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, I guess, and then here's the one part that's different with life than, than, than in movies. Um, is that life is ultimately multiple movies because when we watch a movie, we see the hero come out on top and do this cool stuff and he overcame these challenges. And then at the end of the movie, happily ever after. Um, In life, usually, most of the time, almost every time, up until we die and we're up there with Jesus again, we don't have a happily ever after. We learn things, we grow from it, we still experience happiness, and we still experience joy. However, other challenges still, you know, proceed and happen in the future. And in this case, specifically, you overcame that challenge, and it's like, good, we're done with that. I've had a house fire. Not many people have. So you're like, I should be good for the next, you know, the rest of my life, right? Like, I had my house fire. But then, even just recently with... I guess that same house that you guys moved into, but now your brother lives there or lives there. I'm sorry. Um, It happens again and you guys go through a second fire. And so I guess for you, what is that experience like as far as I'm sure questions come back and you're like, really round two? How do you see and view that situation there? Yeah. Obviously this one's a little different because it's Jordan and Chelsea's house, but yeah, this one honestly, Especially right now, this one hits harder than the than my personal house did. Wow! Because going through like I, I'm one of those people like when I feel pain, like I feel like I can deal with it and I'm okay. But when I see other people in pain, I I feel so much you know worse for them. And so in this situation, you know I had I had gone home. Oh, what break was this? I think, oh, it was like the last couple weeks of summer break. I went home and saw my family, spent a couple, like a week there. And couple, like a day before I went home, 
or not home. I came back here to Utah to go to college. Uh, we wake up at 4 a.m. and getting a phone call, and it was, you know, my brother's house is on fire. And so, of course, we run down there. We're probably the, f- there was a cop car there, and we're probably the second ones there on the scene. And it, it felt surreal because it felt like deja vu but in the worst way because I had experienced this before and here it is again and the worst part is you know I have a ton of nephews and I love every one of them so when I had to see my nephews who some of them weren't even young enough or old enough to understand what's going on Mm. and I had to see all of them throughout their different age ranges you know between like 13 and you know these you know kids that can't even talk yet really hmm. it it really hurt me to have to see them go through this because i've already felt it it's like i already know what it feels like so it it's hard for me to know that these kids are now going to have to deal with that you know during their life hmm. cuz you know nobody deserves to have to go through it i can't say it's the worst thing in the world but it's definitely up there. It completely changes your yeah. lifestyle in a way that you never would want. So to have to see my nephews and my sister-in-law and my brother go through this all while I'm having to think about leaving, you know, because I want to be there and help them and, you know, just take their kids and go have fun or do something, but it's just hurting. Like there was a lot of times that first day that, you know, all the we brought all the nephews up with us, and my brother and my sister-in-law. They stayed down, you know, talking with everybody, having to resolve those problems there. You know, on the scene, because it's like the worst part of a house fire is not only do you have to watch your house burn, but now you have to talk with the fire marshals and decide, well, what can we save, what can't we save? Uh, you got to talk with the insurance people as soon as you can, and gotta talk with the police. Yeah, you're talking about report. the police. You got to do all this stuff while all your things are burning to the ground and still smoking. So we had the nephews up with us and you know there were so many times I had to just go away and kind of cry on my own because I saw these little nephews that were just talking about it because that some of them were too young to really understand and they were just talking about oh or you know our house burnt down and our home is gone, you know stuff like that. To see my nephew have to say that kind of thing really hurt me because at least I was 14 when it happened, you know, and the oldest one of them, he's like 13 now. So to have to see the little ones who are like two years old, go through this and five years old, that was rough. Hmm. And I think it was harder than when I first did it. And all, all this time having to know that I, I can't stay. I have to leave because school starts in a couple of days. You know, that was it really hurts to see it happen to somebody else mm-hmm. and and knowing that you know that's that's the house that I got over this in yeah you know I moved into this house when my house burnt down and this is where I became you know a better person this is where I became a happy person mm-hmm. and now that's just gone so now every house that I've ever grown up in is not there anymore I don't have those memories I can't walk around you know see my old bedroom. I can't do those things because they're not there anymore. Yeah. One day you can't take somebody home and say, hey, look at the house I grew up in. Yeah. Gee, that's crazy. Hey, hey, it's 
one thing that it teaches me as I'm t as you're talking here and I'm learning things so thanks um, one thing that it teaches me is just I guess and what and what our fans can take away is being internally okay and good with yourself in the sense of it happened one time you were able to make changes that bettered your life and made you a better person and made you feel more secure with who you were and and, and kind of became the person you know that you wanted to be right and you became at least working on it right and so it happens a second time and I just think about how amazing it is that you still thankfully know who you are you know the kind of person you want to be and because it's happened a second time doesn't mean that's going to change oftentimes we think that it's one time and it's done or it's one time is all I needed to do right I paid my dues you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> father above I paid my dues don't make me go through it again right but sometimes in my life I like to look at situations as if what if it did happen again would I still be ready what if a third time your house burned down would you still be okay would you still be the person that you need to be I think that when we can expect, you know, nothing but good in the future, when we expect our quotations happily ever after, uh -huh. yeah, we, we think that, you know, it's over and it's done and we don't have to deal with it again. But if we live our lives in a way where we say, you know, what if it does happen again? I think that will help change our mindset from, you know, happily ever after to life still goes on. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And it will help us continually be on the grind. Um, if you ever get to a point where you're stagnant, then then you're failing at something. And so you need to always, you know, in the sense, it's the climb. You guys heard Miley Cyrus. <laughs> in fact, your family used to love that song. Yeah, probably just let her sing it, yeah. you know. <laughs> I mean, I thought I did a good job. <laughs> but you really do, in a sense, want to always be going uphill because that means you're learning. And if you're stagnant, you're not. And when I think of the happily ever after effect with the quotations on it, I think of, you know, people who go through something but then just think that's the end of it and it's okay. We have to keep moving forward, keep pushing, and, and, and keep grinding so that if it did happen again, you know, just by chance, and, and obviously, God forbid it does. Yeah. But if it did happen again, would I be prepared? If I do have to, you know, suffer with depression twice in my life, if I do have to, you know, my cancer gets taken away, but it comes back. Am I still going to be the person I am? Am I still going to be faithful to my God? Am I still going to be faithful to the promises I've made to the people around me? Am I still going to keep the habits that I have? Or when life hits again, am I going to fall back into, I guess, the mediocrity of what I was doing before? And in this case, now that you've had that first experience, the second time this has happened, you are now able to be, because you know who you are and because you've, you've grown through your first challenge, you're now able to be an example to your nephews who are going through the same thing. And you're able to be there for them, and you're able to be a light and a, and a guide for them because they see, oh, this happened to, you know, Uncle Jaden when, yeah. he, when he was my age. And now I have, you know, a, a guide in a sense to follow in his footsteps to be able to overcome that. And had you have just gone back, had you have just given up, happened again, and you're just like, ah, screw it, man, it's just not worth it anymore. You know, you would have lacked being that guide. You would have lacked being that, that uncle that they can look up to. And because you're able to maintain the mindset, I've moved on from this child, and I'm growing through it, now you're still able to do it again, but this time able to bring people with you. Yeah, well, and I also was, you know, before I left, 
I had been debating on whether or not to bring you know this one guitar with me because I I don't play as often as I should, but you know I still like to play the guitar and the banjo. Hmm. But you know before I left, my last little thing that I did for my nephews was I left them one of my guitars that I had planned on bringing out here, but because I had gone through it once, and I had told them, hey, this. When, when I went through this just like you did, because, you know, I felt exactly what they had felt at one point, mm. and I was around their age, too, I left my guitar, and I was like, I want you guys to have this, because when I had my house burned down, this really helped me to be able to learn something new and play some music mm. when I had nothing else to do. And so, you know, even if, you know, because they're, you know, the the younger ones they're all pretty small they can't play a real sized guitar yet mm, yeah. but i left it with them and they loved it like they were just having the time of their lives pretending to be little rock stars with this mm. guitar and you know hopefully maybe one day they'll learn to play the guitar and that'll help them totally. but at least because i had been through it and i had learned how i coped with it i could offer that to them maybe that's not what they need right now but at least I found a way that I had coped and I was able to help somebody else get through that same yeah. thing, you know, with at least something that brought me some comfort. Mm. Which almost, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, this is how I feel. If it's not how you feel, you don't have to. But it almost, in a sense, makes it all worth it. Um, for me, whenever I think of, whenever I've been through a challenging experience that has taught me a lot of things and then I, in the future I'm sharing that experience with somebody, uh, just being able to share that experience from somebody and hearing them like or seeing them excited and seeing them grateful that I had shared that with them, it, it, you know, hopefully I don't have to mark my words saying this, you know, hopefully this doesn't bite me in the butt. But in all honesty, if I am willing to help somebody through a challenge that they're going through because I've been through that same challenge, then the entire challenge was worth it to me. And it doesn't matter how hard it was. It doesn't matter how long it took. If I'm able to help one person overcome something difficult and be able to become something more than they were before, then that entire challenge was worth it to me. And I'm sure as hard as it was and as emotional as the experience was, you seeing the nephews playing your guitar and you know, kind of flashback into your experience with the fire I'm sure that alone was, you know, one of those pillars of light that you saw and you were like, dang, that's special to me. Well, it was definitely at least one of those things that, you know, make you, when you think back, would I trade it? You know, mm -hmm. would I trade it all in to have my house back, but now have to see my brother and my sister-in-law and all of my nephews have to go through this alone? And not be able to connect with anybody. Right. You know, it, it just makes you realize, no, I wouldn't trade it. You know, mm -hmm. even though like it's, it's not my house anymore that went up in flames this time, I wouldn't trade losing my house because I've been so grateful that I at least felt what they are feeling at one point. Mm. You know, maybe not even to the same magnitude that they feel. I don't know how they feel, you know. I've been through it, so I can relate to them on some level. They're not completely alone, yeah. and so I wouldn't trade it you know, just for that alone. But there's been so many other blessings that came from that first experience that there's really no reason to trade those experiences. All the bad right. ones, such great experiences for me. Mm, 100%. Jaden, love you, my boy. 
if you could hear on the microphone, that was us dapping each other up. Um, our time has come to an end. Um, and then it's about, you know, we're pushing five in the morning. Yeah, it's so. about time to wake up, go to school. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jaden, thank you very much for real. That was an awesome episode. People aren't even going to know that we retired doing this because it was just, mm, I've been pumped. Pulling at the heartstrings, my boy. So thank <laughs> you. Thank you very much. Uh, ladies and gents, take the lessons you learned today, apply them to your life, apply them to your situations. Big kisses to y'all. We'll see you next week. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>